This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only off-season podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I am Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees are silent. We heard a rumor that Hal Steinbrenner wants to talk this week. We heard a rumor that Brian Cashman probably won't be there. It might be Zoom. It will hopefully be somewhat eventful, but we still don't have that. So we're mostly here just to dissect what's gone on since we last spoke on Thursday. In essence, not a whole lot. Not a ton. But we've got a standout Yankees prospect in the Arizona Fall League that we're going to spotlight. We've got some new updates in the Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh, potential buzz conversation. Joey Gallo apparently cursed by Alex Rodriguez during his tenure in pinstripes. We'll get into that. And some Giancarlo Stanton trade buzz that just won't die and is getting worse than ever. Uh, It's going to be a disaster this offseason. So we're just taking this slow time to warn you now. Like, warn you before the winter meetings. Like, warn you before you really want to get rid of Stanton. That It's going to be downright strange having this conversation this offseason. But we welcome you to the show. We're here every Monday and Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. We are on all your preferred podcast platforms. We are streaming live on YouTube at those times and available to view after the stream uploaded on the channel. And joining me today, as always, Thomas Carinante with a special offer from the sponsor of today's show, Bet365. You better believe it. What's up, guys? Uh, Bet365 is here, and um, it was in preparation for the MLB playoffs. Now it's in full swing, but we still got the offer going. New users who register for Bet365 by you. Bet365 by using our code YGYBetting will be eligible to receive $365 in bonus bets. All you have to do is deposit $10 and place a $1 wager on any game. Once you place that first bet, you will instantly receive those $365 in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, you just got to make sure you use the code YGYBetting when you sign up. And of course, the most important part of it all. Whether uh, when you use that code, you will not only receive those bonus bets, but you will be directly supporting us, your boys, Adam and Thomas. We're having a great time. Uh, it's going to be a long off season. You're going to need all that intel, all that info, all of those opinions until spring training, because there's a lot going on and there's going to be a lot to sift through. And we're here for you. So you support us. We hook you up. We have a good time. Everybody wins. Uh, this offer is available for new customers only who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Um, do they have John Carlos Stanton trade odds? Uh, because if so, uh, they have to be 50 to one. I feel like you can only get those at like bet.biz backslash Australia or whatever. <laughs> like I don't think the legal books have that. But regardless, uh, too many Stanton trade conversations going on for my liking. Uh, and this is, again, not an endorsement of keeping Stanton. It's not, hey, let's let this ride. Let's let him age and regress for the four more years of his contract that the Yankees still have to absorb. Let's cross the worst. Let's cross our fingers and hope for a bounce back. No, if Stanton's going to get back to being Stanton, which he hasn't been since earning his all-star spot in 2022 and homering in the all-star game. Second half, he was injured and or dreadful. Entirety of last season, he was dreadful. He couldn't use his lower half. I am of the mind that, oh, what are we going to do with Stan? He's this black hole in the lineup. Eventually, he just probably won't play that much anymore because his body is betraying him. So that's that on that. But that doesn't mean you're not going to hear a ton of people trying to justify and figure out ways for the Yankees to trade him and his mid-20s million-dollar salary instead of just having him DFA'd, having them cut bait, et cetera. Um, 
Really important to remind everybody before we talk about anything else that he has a no trade clause. If the Yankees work out a trade, somebody wants to absorb all or half or two thirds or one third of Giancarlo Stan's remaining money. If they believe in something that none of us saw for the past year and a half, he can just say no. So that's important. But we're really talking about this because on foul territory, a great show, athlete centric. If you want to hear from the athletes, you want to hear from Ken Rosenthal, they keep it real on that show. Uh, Eric Kratz last week at the end of the week, they were talking about the Yankees dangling Stanton in a trade. And he said, 25 teams would be on board to trade for Giancarlo Stanton if the Yankees made him available. 25 teams. Now, just to make it, uh, you know, breaking it down to the granular level, that's every playoff team plus 12 or so teams that are out of the postseason. Like, we are looking at the vast majority. Like, who is saying no to a Stanton trade in that hypothetical where 25 teams are on board? The A's? I guess they're out, theoretically. A's Royals. Uh, Royals probably would pass. Guardians. I would suspect the Tigers would probably be out yeah. and the Guardians would be a no. But this is basically saying the Rays, hell yeah, they'll take all of Stan's money. The Red Sox, no doubt. Like the Whites, uh, the White Sox, I think actually probably would take Stan's money because they're weird. Mm-hmm. They're weird guys. But like, you know who wouldn't go to the Chicago White Sox? Joe Carl Stanton wouldn't go to the Chicago White Sox. So this is just a preamble. Again, we're gonna, probably going to have to do this monthly. We're definitely going to have to do this when the winter meeting starts. I don't think 25 teams would be biting at a Giancarlo Stanton trade, even at a reduced cost. But I don't think the Yankees are even making them available anyway. So if you want them off the team, it's probably the commonly held sentiment at this point. It's going to be really difficult to get them off the roster. And I don't think 25 teams are barking at the possibility of acquiring him. I support the positivity from Eric Kratz. It's also his former teammate in Giancarlo Stanton. So maybe there's just a little bit of uh um, you know, emotional attachment to maybe someone he views as a good talent, which Giancarlo Stanton is and was a friend at one point, which I'm sure that was the case. But uh, the reality now is that Stanton is just not that player anymore. And I understand if we look back to last year, uh, we were very rosy on Stanton's remaining future. That first half of 2022 was awesome. He homered in the all-star game. He helped, you know, carry the Yankees in what was an historic first half of baseball. Problem is, is not necessarily his performance, you know, to just to go back to what Kratz was saying, it's his health that affects his performance. So, yeah, I think John Carlos Santos was still probably dealing with the lingering effects of whatever had happened to him last year into this season. And maybe it spooked him. You know, you got to remember the injuries also play a mental role in uh, players performances. You have that lingering in the back of your mind that another injury is going to crop up or um you know, you're, you're, you don't feel a thousand percent healthy because you haven't been healthy for a long stretch of time, which Stanton has not. Stanton's been consistently injured since 2019. Um, so that's the problem with his trade value. Yes, Giancarlo Stanton at his peak 2022 form. Yeah, I think maybe I'd say 20 teams are in the mix for, for that, for his deal. Um, maybe 20 teams are in the mix. I'd say maybe at this point, 10 teams would be in the mix if the Yankees were willing to eat salary slash throw in a couple of top prospects. Um, Because I do think that Stanton utilized correctly would still be a value. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Yankees invested a lot in him. They viewed him as a one a to Aaron judge. 
they haven't gotten that outside of one and a half years, I would say. Um, I guess you could say two full years if you want to be nice because he did uh, he did perform in 2021 for the most part, um, but still couldn't. I think he missed 25 games that year or two. Um, but, yeah, there is no world in which the Yankees are going to have this many suitors lining up for a John Carlos Stanton trade, whether it's discounted or not. And there is no world in which the Yankees will be seamlessly able to offload him um, in a deal without having to without having him potentially stop it. Because again, remember, what teams would be going after John Carlos Stanton? In theory, it's probably, in my opinion, going to be like a mid-market team looking for a little bit of star power boost, looking for a little bit of power in the middle of the lineup, help boost the ticket sales help improve, you know, maybe maybe they have a lot of contact bats and they want to add a big swing and miss power strength in there and they don't care about the DH role being locked up. He'll you know, hit you 30 homers next year. Like he, yeah. he almost got there this year with all that time miss. He will mm-hmm. probably hit you 30 homers in a full season. Yeah, and there's certainly value to that. I just think the way that maybe the way we look at it is a little bit more harshly because he makes our lineup a lot less flexible because of all the money that was invested in. But now you go, now we approach the latter years of this deal and it's becoming more of a quote bargain. If, if you want to refer to it as that, um, I, what does he owed 98 million over the next four years, something like that, uh, including what the Marlins are chipping in uh, for uh, the agreement of the trade. They have to throw in 30 million or something. He's owed 128 million over these next four seasons, but, it's it's a de-escalated price. Then you have the Yankees maybe chip in seven or eight million a year, and it certainly it it all of a sudden becomes a desirable deal. Um, still, though, I don't think that he's going to want to go somewhere that's largely irrelevant or just in the middle of like like imagine if Milwaukee made this deal. Does he want to go to Milwaukee? I don't I don't really think so. Um, I think he'd rather be abused in New York by all the fans who are mad at him, <laughs> and he can live the life in New York and have a good time, but. Um, the only way that Giancarlo Stanton is probably leaving this team is if the Yankees opt to release him and just be done with it. Um, but I think after doing that with Aaron Hicks um, and watching that blow up in their face, they're not going to be as quickly to make a decision like that again, especially in the offseason um, or at the start of the offseason, because some people believe the first move that the Yankees need to make is getting rid of Giancarlo Stanton. The first move the Yankees need to make is to just get a good player. That's the problem. Removing players from this equation is fine. Like that eventually has to happen, but you have a lot of bad players coming off the books already. You're getting rid of a lot of dead weight here. A lot of like borderline toxic, just performances and and body language and all that. You don't need to go the extra mile and completely ax Giancarlo Stanton and and try to make a point. Um, I think there's some, again, they utilize him properly. I don't know how that is. Do you keep him locked in the DH spot? Do you just keep trotting him out in the field and just live with him being injured because that's the reality? And then if he's injured, silver lining, you can go get somebody else or you can just deepen your bench and get a bunch of talented guys on the bench and then you have a seamless transition with Giancarlo Stanton on the IL, a good veteran option taking over in his place, and then a pipeline for younger players to have that last bench spot. I don't know, but stop pretending like this is easy. Stop pretending like this is going to happen right off the bat. Stop pretending the Yankees are really entertaining this as aggressively as you might think it is necessary because they're not. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, I don't like, 
disagreeing with the comments, but the, this comment saying like uh, he won't decline a quote legitimate trade if the organization tells him he won't see playing time. The idea of Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman calling Stan in before the season and saying, we're trying to trade you. And if we don't trade you, you're not going to play here. Like that's just not something the Yankees are going to do. He's yeah. in all their highlight packages. He is judges bash for Aaron judge is not going to stand for that. Aaron Judge is not going to be like, yeah, keep standing and bench him, teach him a lesson. Like Judge is more likely to advocate for him and try to teach him to rework his swing mm. than he is to orchestrate a secret plan where the front office just tells him, like, look, you're not playing here. So hit the think pop. about those headlines. Look what Aaron Aaron Hicks was benched the first three games of the season, and he said shit about it after game number three. And then all the headlines were as toxic as as they could have possibly been for the start of a season that was supposed to be promising. So you you want to avoid stuff like that too. And I for as bad as the Yankees are at PR, I think they're at least smart enough to know that that is that's something they can't have. You have Stan now. You're gonna try to use him. It might not go well in April or May. Then you might have to pivot. But he is not gonna get benched for opening day, and he will probably be in the Bronx. You hold out hope that the Dodgers just find something they can fix in him and reach out about it, try to facilitate something. But I still find it highly unlikely that a team as cost conscious as that team, uh, that as top heavy as that team with that weird imbalance lineup and, and a bunch of people who couldn't perform this past postseason. I don't think they're going to look at Giancarlo Stanton as a salve, but that's just me. Hey, if you're one of the 25 teams that Eric Kratz thinks would jump at the chance to acquire Giancarlo Stanton, feel free to come on the podcast. We would love to talk to you. Maybe you guys are, are chomping at the bit, uh, you know, knocking on Brian Cashman's door saying, uh, you know, we'd love to have a conversation. And then his secretary saying he's in Japan. He's still in Japan, but Hey, whatever, uh, whatever you guys want. If you, if another team representative wants to come in here, We'd love to talk to you. Unfortunately, Cashman's hard work trying to sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto seems mm. seems to be uh, hitting some snags. It's a little tough out here for the folks who want to see Yoshinobu Yamamoto in the Bronx, uh, including me. I think including you. Uh, they yeah. have a lot of deficiencies on the Yankees roster, but the rotation is certainly one of them. Like, can't do you look at this uh, depth chart for next year? You don't see a lot of sure things. It's like Cole, I think. I mean, I know the talent is a sure thing, but no pitcher is an absolute sure thing. No. Knock on wood. Knocking on all the wood in the world. I mean, you, you, that's why you build up pitching depth, because you just don't know. Uh, Carlos Rodon, absolutely not. Michael King and Clark Schmidt, one of them will probably be here. One of them probably won't be. Frankie Montas seems likely to come back. Hilarious. Nestor Cortez, I hope he doesn't need shoulder surgery, but I don't know. And even so, 120 innings. Nestor Cortez, probably a swingman again next year. They need offense, but they certainly need pitching as well. And Yamamoto is going to command a $200 million contract that we know. Brian Cashman did early legwork. Brian Cashman sent all his top scouts to Japan that we know. Brian Cashman and Omar Manaya took a trip over there themselves, watched him throw a no-hitter, missed old-timers day that we know. All of that's very good. <laughs> However... The San Francisco Giants, who missed on every free agent last offseason, and I mean every free agent, they even signed one and then spat him back out onto the market, they reportedly will not be outbid, quote-unquote, will not be outbid for the players that they intend to pursue this year. One of them is Yamamoto. They are interested in him. That's great. Uh, if anyone uh, – Brian Cashman's never the guy who won't be outbid. So it already sounds like the Yankees are not going to have the highest offer for Yamamoto. Part yeah. You know who else wants him? The New York Mets. Uh, Kodai Senga has apparently been telling the Japanese media and anyone who will listen all offseason that he would like to play with Yamamoto. That seems important. Seems like someone who's pulling the strings. Senga somehow only on a five-year $75 million deal. 
Not sure how the Mets got away with paying uh, so little money for such a good pitcher and an NL Cy Young candidate, but that's a story for another day. I guess his advanced age, what have you. Well, he wants Yamamoto. Yamamoto reportedly wants a big city. That's great. That's the opposite of what Shohei Otani said. But Senga lobbying for Yamamoto and Yamamoto, there's this uh, sort of Japanese baseball culture thing where a lot of Japanese players do not want to share the locker room with other prominent Japanese talents when they come to MLB. Uh, that's why when someone says like, oh, the Red Sox getting Yoshida, that's going to be huge for them getting Otani. It's kind of huge in the opposite way. It's much more likely that someone like Otani would not want to share the clubhouse with Yoshida and vice versa. Uh, that's a real phenomenon. But apparently, according to the Athletics report this morning, uh, Yamamoto feels the opposite way and, in fact, would welcome sharing a locker room with another Japanese star. All of that points to the fact that the Yankees probably will not be the highest bid here unless they match the Giants. And the Yankees have a significant disadvantage because they do not have Kodai Senga both in the front office lobbying for them to sign this big uh, countryman, $200 million, 25-year-old ace. And they don't have, uh, you know, the inside knowledge that, hey, many Japanese stars wouldn't want to share the locker room with another talent, but he would. All of this is pointing in the Mets' direction most prominently to me, and I haven't heard the Yankees mentioned by a non-Yankees writer for Yamamoto in weeks, which kind of means... Alrighty then, you know, that's kind of the, like, obviously the Yankees writers are going to keep writing about them, but is anybody else connecting those dots? No. Okay, great. If so, I'm, I think I'm going to move on here. Move on. Cause you know what they're doing? They're bringing the audit into November, which is the smart thing to do when you need to start making moves in November. Uh, I think that was, yeah, the audit has not happened yet. Just so everybody is aware. And we don't even totally know what it is. We don't even know what it is. And it hasn't happened yet. Whatever it is. Yeah. So the Yankees are putting themselves behind the eight ball here by either faking this audit when they actually need an audit or not using the precious time that they have eliminated from the postseason to get ahead of everything. I don't know. I'm just going based off what the reports say. In terms of Yamamoto, I agree. I don't like that this has barely been mentioned outside of Yankees verse. Um I need, you know, more, you know, general baseball reporters talking about it for me to fully buy into it. Secondly, am I scared of the Giants? No, I'm more so scared of the Mets here. The Giants, there is one element of desperation here that is concerning because they have missed out on the free agents. Um, they just fired manager Gabe Kapler. I think next in line is that front office they're going to be the target probably after next season if things don't change. Uh, they have not spent in free agency despite being a big market team. Their farm system is constantly middling. They constantly make patchwork free agent signings. They let Kevin Gosman go. I know they let Carlos Rodon go, which is looking good in hindsight, but um, they – uh, who else did they? There was one other guy they let go that was completely bad for them. Um, I'll think about it in a second, but um, they have signed guys like Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, uh, Ross Stripling, Sean Manaya. These are not the moves that a big market team would make. If the Yankees were making this move, these moves, you would blow a gasket and probably stop rooting for the team. Um, and the Giants are a version, a West Coast version equivalent of the Yankees. They have recent championship pedigree. Um, they have the, the, the built-in fan base, they have the resources to make this happen. And it seems like with 
uh, Farhan Zaidi running the operation, the baseball operations there coming over from the Dodgers. They're trying to moneyball this shit and it's not working. They're trying to copy the Dodgers formula, which also hasn't really worked either in case you guys haven't been watching. Um, and this has been failing even more outside of that 107 win 2021 season, which I think at this point we can chalk up to being a complete fluke if we're not mistaken, but yeah, you whiff on Aaron judge, you whiff on Carlos Correa. You're not really mentioned in all these other free, uh, big name free. Oh, Trey Turner was the other one they whiffed on. Um, he didn't want to go there, uh, or he, yeah, they, they got into talks and they were offering him somewhere near of what the Phillies were going to, and he didn't want to go. So you miss out on all these guys. You let other guys leave, um, seemingly without a fight. Your main acquisition is like Jock Peterson. Like there's, a lot of problems here. So the desperation factor with them having the money to spend the front office, potentially being under the gun as their last year or two in charge of calling the shots that kind of could make you a little bit worried in terms of how much they might be able to offer. I think the West coast also is a benefit for Japanese players. It's 3000 miles closer to home and you know, they're going home in the off season. So um, that's my one worry outside of that, the giants collectively over the last, you know, since 2014, really after their last world series title, they've been irrelevant. They haven't really been aggressive. They haven't made smart trades, um, spanning two separate regimes. So, um, maybe someone like Yamamoto would look at that and say, well, I don't think I want to go here. I'd probably rather go to the Yankees who have a better history and actually have stars on this team, or I'll go to the Mets. They're definitely going to pay me all this money and I can be in the lock in that locker room with one of my buddies. Um, I'm more so worried about the Mets, uh, because this is, uh, outside of the, uh, uh, Steve Cohen, um, Hal Steinbrenner embargo on free agents. Um, and the fact that the bidding is going to exceed $200 million. The Yankees just spent 162 on Carlos Rodon. I don't think that that's really where they're going to want to go. If they have to spend that much money, the posting fee, um, and have to be competing with other big spenders. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're, they'd probably be better suited going for, I don't know, maybe someone like Aaron Nola who probably won't be as expensive and has, you know, tangible postseason pedigree in major league baseball. Um, that might be more their speed, but if we're, if we're sitting here making guesses, um, I would, my, my biggest hunch here is that the Yankees are not going to get in a bidding war for anybody. And that's going to be a problem. We all have to agree though, that they need a pitcher regardless Correct. of who they choose. Yes. Yeah, like a frontline guy. We're not talking. Don't back end shop me. Don't get me this offseason. Jose Quintana, you have to go all in again to upgrade the rotation. Yeah. And, and the Mets, I'm just like you. The Mets worry me more here. Uh, and speaking of worrying, are the New York Yankees cursed until they put Alex Rodriguez in Monument Park? Many mm. people are saying that the team's disrespect of Alex Rodriguez at the middle of the 2016 season set them on a negative course. Set up the Baby Bombers era that never resulted in a title. Very curious, very spooky. Mm. And when the Yankees gave Alex Rodriguez his number 13 jersey to trade acquisition, Joey Gallo, who at the time was a blockbuster acquisition, mm. a lot of fans were like, oh, wow, okay, we're moving on there. I didn't think we'd ever see somebody wear that again. I kind of thought it was going to be like the Paul O'Neill jersey situation where everyone's like, it's retired. What are you doing? It's just floating out there, but you don't give it to anybody. And it's like, all of a sudden, A-Rod's number 13 is available again. Add in the fact that it was number 13 
which is kind of a spooky, scary number. Things get a little more cursy here. Of course, the Yankees have not won a World Series since sending A-Rod to the showers early. A-Rod, the most reviled figure in baseball from 2013 to 2016, somehow now redeemed on all the postseason television coverage on yeah. Fox's panel uh, on the A-Rod K-Cast. Like, he is everywhere. There is, you know, you don't think of A-Rod... Uh, the extortionist or A-Rod, the steroid cheater, A-Rod, the guy who was suing MLB and vice versa. He's now one of the faces of the game. And he finally went public this week to say, yeah, I did not like seeing Joey Gallo wearing my number. And yeah, I do want my number to get retired out in Monument Park. I don't think the second thing is ever going to happen, at least until Brian Cashman's gone or maybe the Steinbrenner's divest. Uh, I bet he hates Cashman more than he hates the Steinbrenners. For sure. Although I'm obviously not in his brain. Uh, I don't think Brian Cashman's going to retire A-Rod's number. And so now we just have another thing to worry about. I personally was worried about learning that a Red Sox fan buried a David Ortiz jersey in the concrete at the new Yankee Stadium until they won the 2009 World Series. And I stopped worrying about that. And then I just flipped off the entirety of the Boston fan base again. It's a nice try. Nice jersey burial, you losers. But the A-Rod curse... Based on how terribly Gallo's time with the Yankees went, like terribly, like first percentile outcome, like it couldn't have gotten worse. I am a little bit worried about the disrespect of a, let's face it, they don't win the 2009 World Series without him. He wins the MVP in 05 and 07. I didn't leave A-Rod's Yankees tenure being like, that went perfectly. But woven into the fabric of the franchise, certainly an emblem of like, Yankee fans combating other te- like you know I don't even know what you would call that but other teams being like A Rod's a cheater and then Yankee fans have to defend A Rod and sort of cape for A Rod the Dempster home run game like certainly an example of the Yankee attitude like oh you don't like us great we don't care we're gonna home run you anyway we're gonna fight back we're gonna flip you the bird um, I don't think I want A Rod's number retired and I I would see an A Rod plaque I, if you put an A Rod plaque in there I would be like. At tracks, especially now that he's, again, the face of baseball's coverage on Fox. But uh, I'm a little worried. I'm a little freaked. My goosebumps are standing on end here. <laughs> Spooky Halloween season. Um, What do I think? I don't think A-Rod's number should be retired. Uh, that's There are too many numbers retired for the Yankees. I think we can all agree with that. We got to um, unretire a couple before we even consider retiring A-Rod's number. I think yeah. they're waiting for some folks to uh, pass away. 100%. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, like there soon enough, there will be no numbers. Um. I don't think one World Series gets your number retired. Um, And A-Rod's stretch of his career obviously came mostly with the Yankees, but he did not come up as a Yankee. I think there's value in coming up as a Yankee and finishing your career as a Yankee in terms of getting your number retired. I know that's not the – those are not the credentials for, you know, being an immortal, but um, with the amount of jersey retirements the Yankees have had – um, I don't think this qualifies, even if he was the driving force in the 2009 World Series. Um, I do think he should be recognized in some capacity. Um, you got two MVPs, a World Series in there, uh, a lot of milestones achieved. Um, out, even outside of the achievements, um, the off-the-field stuff would, I think, stop him from getting any true recognition. The only thing I thought was, if you're going to give up number 13 – have a little bit more time pass, not just five, four or five years, um, and give it to a player who's actually good. Joey Gallo was not good. Joey Gallo. You should only good. acquire players who are actually good. Yeah, too. That could help. Cool. Don't acquire players who are bad. Um, yeah. 
I is there a curse here? I don't necessarily think so because it's not like A Rod was a, a patron saint and and we did wrong by him. Uh, he didn't have a goat. He had yeah. a painting of himself as a centaur, but we let him have that. We didn't ban that. He's allowed to keep that. So yeah, I don't know. I think he's it's, he's done a great job. I I think it's actually been an inspiring turnaround and rebrand for him. A um, lot of bad stuff with his career personal life, what have you. But um, what can you ask of anybody when that happens? Uh, a rebirth, a realization that you've done wrong and uh, an act or a commitment to turn things around. And I think A-Rod has done that, um, or at least he's gotten a better PR team. I don't know. Um, I don't personally know Alex Rodriguez, but I have enjoyed watching him be a little bit more in the baseball sphere because he is a smart guy. He is legitimately one of the best players of all time. He is one of the toughest competitors in the modern era. I, I would think so. He he certainly was on the field at almost, almost every turn. He, he was barely limited, especially in his prime years. Um, and uh, he, to me, he, he wasn't anybody to take shit from anybody. Um, so there is that to admire about his career. Um, and the fact that he has remained relevant, there are a lot of exiled, but look at Pete Rose still exiled, still hasn't learned, still hasn't learned even how to speak properly in front of baseball media. Still, and they let him on Fox at one point and that yeah. was deeply upsetting and disturbing. A-Rod is built for this. Pete Rose was not built for this. Yeah, exactly. So, um, there are plenty of people who don't redeem themselves. who don't come back from horrible or uh you know you're redeeming scenarios like that but a rod has um i don't think that 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 he doesn't get awards for that he's already been honored in various respects he you know he was he potentially may have been awarded while he was cheating the game i don't know if we'll ever know that for sure um also a lot of the other league was doing it doesn't excuse what he does but it's not like he was a lone wolf here um either way I think the Yankees should have at least given it some more time or given that number to an actual Yankees player as opposed to a trade deadline acquisition who was seemingly going to be hit or miss and then kind of predictably put forth some of the worst baseball you've ever seen based on his player profile and based on how he mixed in with the Yankees lineup. Um, and it's a classic Cashman thing to do. Again, there's – you kind of notice these things after um, – you know, George Steinbrenner passed away and it was clear that he was calling the shots now that it's it's Cashman's team, as we've come to learn with Hal at the forefront. Cashman just does what he wants. He disregards X, Y and Z, whether it's the human element, whether it's the you know respect element, whether it's him just thinking his way is the better way. And that's kind of the way the Yankees do business right now, which is a little bit depressing. Um, I don't think it was necessarily the wrong thing to give A-Rod's number out, but I think you probably should have been a little bit more calculated with that. Um, and of course his exit was fairly, you know, unceremonious. I, I, I don't like, you know, it was four home runs away from 700. And there was nothing and, about the 2016 Yankees yeah. that indicated like you need at bats for somebody else. Exactly. You could have found, you could have found room. You could have hit four more homers. Could have hit, you could have hit four more homers. It's not like at that point he was tarnishing the Yankees brand any more than he had had in the previous three years. Um, so I think maybe letting the guy finish out his career with some semblance of dignity would have been cool. Um, but it was an imperfect situational, I think wrong done on both sides. Um, I'm not fretting about this being a curse though. Um, maybe it just cursed Joey Gallo. And, and 
that's it. <laughs> That'd be nice. And we'll never see him again, so we can move on there. Same. Hey, remember when the Twins were in the ALDS, like, fighting against the Astros? Where was he? Was he injured? Yeah. In he theory. was? Okay. In theory. Because I was wondering that the other day, too. I was like, Gal didn't play. Did he not play because he sucked or because he was injured? But, like, he also did suck. He batted 177 with 21 home runs this year. Yeah. Which is not good. No, he hit the IL with a foot contusion, uh, hit the IL on September 8th. It was retroactive to the Wednesday. He never played again. He got one at-bat against the Guardians on September 5th. That was the end of Joey Gallo. Uh, And I don't think that he's somebody who they would have gone to if he had been available. He finished the season with a 101 OPS plus 0.5 war, 21 homers, a 177 average. Just, again... 21 homers and 40 RBI, and with the bigger bases, one stolen base. That's the Joey Gallo. Win. 21 homers, 50 hits. Another Donaldson. Yeah, no thanks. No, no thank you. Uh, go ahead and wear 13 in Minnesota. I don't know who wore that number originally. Denny Hawking. Uh, that one's available. You can wear that one. <laughs> um, well, good news from the Arizona Fall League, where the Yankees have sent an oddball collection of prospects this year. They sent Ben Cowles, who's a middle infielder. They sent Matt Sauer. They did not send any of their biggest names, uh, but they did send Caleb Durbin, who's a personal favorite of mine. A very small uh, 23-year-old middle infielder um, who, look, I don't know what the future holds for Caleb Durbin. I don't, but I do know that he's 5'6", 185, stolen from the Braves in the Lucas Litke trade this past offseason, which I think many of you would be like, that wasn't even a trade. We DFA'd him. No, no, we DFA'd him. The Braves claimed him, and then we got a reliever who pitched for Team Cannon in the World Baseball Classic who did undergo Tommy John this year and will not be back until 2025, and Caleb Durbin from Wash U St. Louis, a D2 baseball player who has done nothing but impress with the bat so far. In Atlanta's system last year, he hit 241 with a 724 OPS, 8 bombs, 62 RBI, 50 uh, walks, 50 strikeouts, 31 steals. Nothing to write home about. 31 steals is nice. He's mm-hmm. frisky, but at high A, he hit 636. Okay, great. He's basically the throw-in in a DFA player deal. This year in 69 games in the Yankee system, uh, no homers and eight RBI with Hudson Valley in 22 games, though. But he hit 333 with a 464 OBP and an 861 OPS, got the bump, and shook off an injury in 47 games at Double A Somerset. 291, 361 OBP, still got that OPS over 800 at 801, hit four bombs, uh, and ultimately stole 18 bags this year in 69 games. Now, since getting sent to the Arizona Fall League, so we can see what was really up with him, he has shined brighter. This is a league full of top prospects. This is a showcase league. All the pitchers are uniformly the average. They are so much better than what he was facing at double A and high A. 16 hits in 13 games, half of those for extra bags, seven stolen bases already through three weeks, and a 1.113 OPS. So what's Caleb Durbin? Is he a future superstar? Is he a glue guy? Is he a nice bench piece for future Yankees teams? No one knows. I can't declare that. He's 23, but he has raised his game at every level so far with the Yankees. Technically performed better in this small sample at Hudson Valley than he did in the larger sample at Somerset, but an 800-plus OPS at both levels after not showing that level of power 
and extra base potential in the Brave system. Moving into Arizona in the Folly, where a lot of people are tired, he's just getting his sea legs. He missed that time in the second half with injuries. He needs the reps, and he's making the most of them. So what is Caleb Durbin? I couldn't tell you, but I just know that every time I check the box score to see what a personal favorite of mine is up to, he's always up to something funky, and he's getting better. Getting better. It's very weird. Arizona Fall League, you're supposed to say it's usually like the best prospects from every organization. But then you look at the stats and it's wild. Like top guy there is James Triantos, who's also on Caleb Durbin's team. What is this? The Solar Sox? Mesa Solar Sox. Also, the Arizona Fall League has the sickest hats. They're all sick. And they put them on sale for like a month. Three years ago, they have not put them on sale any other year. I was lucky enough to get one, but I should have gotten all six because they just don't put them out. Uh, I got the one that looks like a toothpaste. What are they? I wish I knew. Hold on. I think they're the River Rafters. River Rafters is one. And then there's the... uh, What is this? Yeah, Salt salt River Rafters. It's three strips of like blue toothpaste, teal brim. I love it, but I love the Saguaros. I love the Solar Socks. I want them all, and they they don't sell them. They You can't have them, and I don't understand that. Maybe, maybe Caleb Durbin wants to give us his. There's a game about. you – last time I checked, there was a game used one on eBay that was Patrick Mazika's, uh the Mets yeah. fourth-string catcher. But I was like, I'm not paying – like, I almost did. Don't get me wrong. I almost did, but I was like – I'm not paying $70 for a hat a guy wore that is the wrong size. That's really a lot of like a lot of variables in there. It shows up. He signed it. He wrote game. Like you can't wear a hat that's signed out in public. No. It you look you look weird. And again, the wrong size. And again, worn during games. So a good purchase if somebody wants to make it, but not for a guy who wants to put it on his head. Yeah, gross if you want to wear that. Um anyway, you look at these stats and they're like the best hitter is. OPSing 1.290 and they're facing the best pitching. I don't know. Arizona Fall League, I feel like as the years progress, teams are not sending all of their best prospects because they are worried about workload and they're worried about fatigue. Um, and we've seen that kind of come into play with top prospects who have got oh, Anthony Volpe this year. Do we think he, I don't know, Aaron Boone talked about how this is the first time he's playing 162 games. Yeah, I, it's a lot, uh, if, especially if you played, what, 105 previously is your cap. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, I don't think that 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 doesn't take away from what Durbin has done. Um, any trade acquisition that you get, um, the Licky deal was this past offseason, right? Yeah. Yeah, crazy to think that that – you feel like that was two years ago, but the manner in which this has transpired for – a prospect that was supposed to be nothing. Like you're trading Lucas Licky, who was at best uh innings eater out of the bullpen during blowouts or yeah. an emergency go-to lefty when your other lefty was burned. Um, and you get value like this. I'd say at the very least, it helps the Yankees with their trade packaging this offseason if they're if they're attempting to um make moves on that front solely because a lot of their farm system right now, especially the top end, is stacked with pitchers and middle infielders. I don't think uh, Caleb Durbin is going to be factoring into that equation. I could be wrong. You could be right, and this could mean something. The Ascension could mean something for his Yankees future, and I think that would be cool uh, with the way Yankees treat assets, however. Um, Actually, no. They don't treat assets anyway. They just let them wither away, or they just never use them. So 
yep, expect Caleb Durbin to never debut and to keep raking at the higher levels and then to have never no, I'm just kidding. Well, there you um, go. Yeah. But he's I not hope. getting the yeah, he's he's not getting the buzz of a Ben Rice. Like Ben Rice had the breakout breakout. Yeah. He's like rising up top prospect list. He's a lefty bat. I guess he's theoretically a catcher, could play first, could do whatever. But he ended up with, you know, 1.049 OPS for the whole year. 324 average, 434 OBP, 20 bombs and 275 at-bats. Like video game numbers and got better at double A. 16 bombs in 48 games. 648 slug, 1049 at the double A level. 1082 at the high A level. 948 with Tampa. Like those are the kind of numbers that really open your eyes. But Durbin's in the showcase and he is performing very well. Yeah, and it's always good when these guys continue uh, in, I guess, I guess you would consider this the postseason um, for them. But, you know, someone like uh, Cowles and uh, Durbin and even uh, these other, uh, you know, I know Nelson Medina struggling um, and so is Tristan Beerling, but um, uh, Kevin Stevens and Matt Sauer doing solid work. So um, anything to read into, I, I don't think we can make assertions, but any pro- positive progress – it's extra work after a long season, and it's against a more narrowed pool of competition, which in theory is better than what you're facing on an everyday basis in the minor leagues. Um, so maybe we expect some trade packages to be a little bit healthier this offseason for the Yankees. I think maybe maybe that could be the long play here, or maybe they sent these guys there to test them to see if they are as promising of a talent as they had believed they would be. Either way, I don't know. I don't trust the Yankees with handling any of this. So I'm just going to sit here and hang out and have fun and I guess just see what happens because as predictable as it's been, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees became unpredictable and screwed this up in some manner. Relentless wave of positivity on today's show. (laughs) Well, I mean, while we're here, should we fulfill that uh, that guy's very helpful uh, comment uh, on the podcast feed to talk about the rest of baseball. I guess sure. We have a game seven of the ALCS. I've been watching baseball. We have a game seven of the ALCS tonight. I didn't think we would. We do. Uh, when At what point did it hit you watching yesterday's game, watching Nathan Avaldi dance out of jams, watching Adolis Garcia's grand slam, uh, watching yeah. Brian Abreu celebrate punching out Garcia only for Garcia to get the ultimate retribution of the ninth? At what point did you realize, oh, my God, what I'm cheering for is the opportunity to watch Max Scherzer pitch in a game seven tomorrow? When did when did that hit you? Uh, it's a bummer because now the prediction meter for me is fully on the Astros. Um, fully. Uh, it couldn't be further on the yeah. Astros. That's why you got to win. Uh, we, you know, you have to reserve it. You have to reserve a little place in your brain for the Rangers winning tonight, and then it's a different conversation. But at this moment in time, I think the Astros are going to win tonight, and I think that Game five of this series is going to go down as the best win of the entire Astros dynasty. Could that was the, the one of the most improbable victories in any playoff game you'll ever see um, with how the Ash, uh, the Rangers bungled that. Oh man, I don't know every and every and the cats out of the bag because everyone's like, oh, it's like 2019 World Series when all the all the road teams won all the games, and it's like, yeah, that's probably not happening again. And everybody also, figured that one out. It's yeah. nice that it happened once. Yeah. Also, are people forgetting that Christian Javier is Cy Young in the playoffs? Untouchable. Can't no one can fucking hit him. He's starting Game Seven tonight against the Rangers. Look, I am not down on the Rangers. This team has fought against a division rival, against the best team in baseball over the last seven or eight years. Yeah. Uh, I respect what they have done. 
I think that Max Scherzer is still a very good pitcher. I think that I having know. him lined up for in game seven in his current condition was the wrong move. I don't know if that was part of the plan. Um, doesn't seem like it was solely because they got out to a 2-0 lead and they wanted to either press or um, get Scherzer some innings. I probably would have brought him in relief in that game three if he allowed it. Um, or actually, fuck it. If he told me no, I would say, great, you're not pitching. But him starting that game and getting off to, um, you know, not the, not the best first few innings in his first outing in over a month. It was must have been five weeks since just since the shoulder injury against the team with their backs against the wall. You knew the Astros weren't going down 3-0. They could have started – the Rangers could have started any pitcher in the history of the sport, and they weren't going down 3-0. They just yeah. they don't do that. They're not going. I know they did it in 2020, but that was a weird, funky season where no rules applied. Um, but yeah, very disappointed that we've had to watch Montgomery battle and lose that game five, which he shouldn't have lost. We've gotten to watch Nathan Hivaldi now battle twice and be on the right side of awesome. uh, the result. And now we're going to potentially see Scherzer have it all go to shit um, because I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we can pick. Uh, I think at best he goes four and one earned and Bruce Bochy pulls him and then it's a bullpen game. And then you're really getting, you're really getting into a trouble area because um, those, those never particularly turn out well. And this bullpen, this Rangers bullpen is taxed. I feel like Jose Leclerc and Josh Spores have, have been used every single day. Yes. They've pitched every single day. You're going to need them tonight. It's a winner go home game. I don't know. I just you can't. I the amount of times I've tried to bet against the Ash against the Astros over the years, it's turned out poorly for me. I hope I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not seeing a Rangers victory in my crystal ball tonight. Yeah, Spores hasn't been given this much exposure since March 2020. Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, a roll to Chapman will pitch tonight. Like that's when, <laughs> when, you, when you get when you get Scherzer out of the game, a roll to Chapman will pitch tonight. Shout out to Andrew Heaney coming in yesterday too, preserving the nine-two lead in the ninth. Good Huge. job, uh, massive. That saves the bullpen. Yeah, I mean the the difference. I, I don't have a lot of the, the matchup doesn't look good for the Rangers. Shout out to the Rangers. I didn't think they were going to win yesterday, and they did. So shout out to the Rangers for doing that. But uh, you got to win game five. Sorry, you're fated to lose game three. You really should have bounced back in game four. You didn't. You got killed. Um, and then game five, you, you managed to take a lead. You managed to take him in the late innings. Do you think Brian Abreu Fuck him. Drilled, drilled Garcia on purpose? Because I'm fairly confident he did. And I'm fairly confident that brawl and the momentum from that brawl sparked a ridiculous ninth inning comeback, which was uh, not just uh, overcoming a two-run deficit with three-run homer, but not recording an out in the pro- – LeClerc got nobody. Yonder Diaz single. John Singleton walks. John Singleton walks. Can't be walking in. Ow. And then uh, – immediate Altuve home run also uh ignoring all the improbability of all that 4-2 lead bottom half of the inning first and second nobody out fucking score there or they got second and third with one out they had second and third with one out you have to bring in one of those runs Josh Young whiffing over the splitter nobody can hit Ryan Presley and nobody hit Christian Javier in the playoffs just does not happen um so again no disrespect to the Rangers I, I picked Astros in six before the series I would have picked Astros in six last night also, and I yeah. would have been wrong, but I think the Astros win tonight. Yeah, I think I think Brian Abreu appealing the suspension is fucking bullshit too. You well, do the that. Astros, a column came out, Ken Rosenthal said the Astros are upset with the way MLB is handling this. They, they well, think give that, a shit. They think Garcia is the aggressor and that they're getting railroaded. Abreu was only allowed to pitch one game that he shouldn't have pitched in. 
instead of two. Shouldn't have pitched a game six. Yeah. Chucking baseballs at guys and starting brawls in the playoffs. I'm sorry. It always errs on the side of the pitcher getting suspended. The hitter does not get suspended for getting drilled with a ball. Almost never, unless it's egregious. Unless he's Johnny Roseboroughing and he's ch- he's grabbing his bat and Juan Marichal is trying to hit him with it. Like, uh, unless you've got a guy swinging a bat at a pitcher, he's not getting suspended for the pitcher drilling him with a baseball. I'm sorry. And uh, the Astros saying it's unfair. How many bullpen arms do you need? How many fucking bullpen arms do you need? You can also, muddle through. Yeah, I mean, they have the they never have the right ever to call anything unfair. Yes. Um, because especially because they thought it was unfair that Rob Manfred let the court of public opinion hold them accountable for their cheating act. Oh, it's not fair. They're booing us on the road and they inflated a garbage can and they threw it on the field. Yeah, biggest not fair. babies. Yeah, no, you're the victim, sure. You cheated your way into a World Series, you probably cheated your way into um the 2019 World Series. Thank God you lost that one. Uh, no right for this team to ever complain about anything. They got docked nothing. They had to get rid of their GM, who was a snake. They had to get rid of their manager. They replaced him with a legendary manager. And then they added a better GM. They, added too. A better they GM. upgraded everywhere. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. Um, if you get suspended in the postseason, there's good reason for it. The ML Major League Baseball is not coming out with aggressive suspensions in the postseason. They don't want to do that because it compromises the game and the amount of money they can make, especially if you're talking about star players. Adoles Garcia homering, showing up the pitcher, totally allowed, and then getting beamed in his next at bat, and then yelling at the catcher because he sensed something may have happened, does not make him the aggressor. There's a reason Dusty Baker and uh, Brian Abreu got ejected in that game. Uh, th- again, these things don't just happen out of nowhere. Um, yeah. th- there's, there's no... There's no coincidence. It's it's how things are handled when um, tensions are flaring, especially in a high-stakes game. This is on national television. I don't think this is what MLB wants to see on national television. Um, if you hit a batter in the manner that Adoles Garcia was hit by Brian Abreu after a home run, there are the natural consequences for that, whether it was intentional or not. Um, and the fact that the bench is cleared so quickly mm-hmm. led me to believe that it was not unintentional because if it was an accident, you're more so sitting there being like, whoa, what the hell? Like what, what is going on here? Instead of immediately charging, you know, charging and being the aggressor in that scenario, they immediately flipped out and took issue with somebody being mad for something completely reasonable. So whatever, hopefully, hopefully he, pl- hopefully he gets the, the best case scenario here. And this involves the Astros winning is he doesn't, if he doesn't get the pitch in a game in the world series, which would be sick. And they, well, lose I the loved, game. yeah, I, I love the idea. Astros fans coming out of the woodwork being like, Oh, you, what you thought he was intentionally hitting him in a two run game. And we still have a chance to come back. First of all. Yes, yeah. I do. He seems insane. But second of all, he's a Garcia. He just homered. Here's the calculus. The guy on base already. I don't want Garcia homering again. I'm going to pitch around him. Cause I think I can get everybody behind him. So, I wanted to hit him anyway. Might as well hit him instead of pitching around him. Because guess what happened? He retired all three guys behind him and nobody scored. He did exactly that. He put the most dangerous hitter on base and got out of the inning unscathed. Well, you really think he would do that? Yes, I think that's exactly what he intended to do. And he was like, well, I could pitch around him or I could drill him with a baseball. I think I'll, I think I'll hit him with a baseball. And then he got suspended. And he shouldn't have played yesterday. I don't think he's going to play today. Be very inconsistent with the commissioner and how he operates if you let him play today. That said, the nothing bad has ever happened to the Astros. 
and they've never been punished for anything they've done. So it wouldn't shock me either if he's like, eh, we'll let this one slide. We'll see Brian Abreu tonight. Um, I mean, he hadn't given up a run since like June in any we game. We not giving up a run. And then has given up several runs this postseason. So maybe the baseball gods will just work it out and Brian Abreu will struggle again tonight. Unfortunately, I don't think that's likely to happen. Let's say Scherzer doesn't pitch very long. I don't even know who comes in behind him. Like there's, no, there's nobody there. They, they got LeClerc out yesterday. He didn't have to pitch the ninth, but he still pitched. Like any single-handedly blue game five. Like the, the game five was the series. Of course, the Rangers are still in it, but Game Five was the series. Yeah, that was it. It's the best win in Astros. Bounce, hey, look, they bounced back well. The Phillies have bounced back well after two horrible losses. So at least, at least there's life in these teams. We're used to not watching life. The Yankees lose Game One of the ALCS in heartbreaking fashion. They rebound to lose Game Two. Series t- turns. They go home and then they lose two in a row. So at least we're watching teams actually put up a fight. Um, as opposed to watching our team lay down like a doormat. Yep. Awesome series. Good baseball. Yeah, World Series should be nuts. I feel I feel much more comfortable with the World Series knowing it looks likely the Phillies will be in it. So the Diamondbacks taking a 3-2 lead going back to Citizens Bank Park. That's not over yet either, though. No, very much but, not. Um, at the, I mean, tonight's starter is Aaron Nola, and if he doesn't win, then it's Ranger Suarez tomorrow, and they probably see a little Zach Gallon in there and could get dicey again. It's not done, but if it's Diamondbacks-Astros, I'm uh, giving up. I'm not doing the podcast that week. I just, I'm not doing the podcast. And the one year where the Astros legitimately are not very good, and Mauricio Dubon is a centerpiece of the lineup, and John Singleton is taking big at bats in huge situations, and Gray Kessinger is on the like The one year where the Astros really do have holes, they just get to go face an 84 win team in the World Series. Like, I, I won't do the podcast for a week. I'm not doing that. Um, try to become the first back to back champion since the 98, 99, 2000 Yankees. Hopefully, they do not. But I still foresee them winning tonight and making the Fall Classic. Let us know what you're thinking in the comments on our uh, YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, please be subscribed. We'd love to see you there. Drop us some comments. Drop us a review. Uh, Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever your preferred podcast listening platform is. We're climbing up the charts there, too. We could use your help. Uh, Bet365, if you don't have an account, make sure to sign up with the promo code YGYBetting. It's been on the screen the entire time. And make sure to check the episode description to see if you are eligible to receive the playoff offer from Bet365, the sponsor of today's show. I am Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb. I will not say X. I will not tell you to find me there. I will not say X, parentheses, formerly known as Twitter. I'm simply not going to say that. Thomas Carinante, where on Twitter, not X, but Twitter.com, can the people find you? Tweet me. At Tommy's underscore takes. Tweet us at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, thank you, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, please continue uh, the support by heading over to YanksGoYard.com. All the content there that we're talking about live right here, uh, a little bit more fleshed out with our words. Uh, longer articles, longer hypotheticals, um, everything you can think of. News, opinions, rumors. We're having a good time. Uh, appreciate you guys reading. We know you're popping over there, but uh, tell your friends, tell your uncle. I don't know. People should read more. That's my Specifically opinion. Specifically, reach out to your uncle. It could be great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the sure uncle you don't like, reach out to him. Make sure your uncle's looped in because uh, we talked about John Carl Stanton trades. I feel like your uncle yeah. might want to hear that and read about it. Uh, well, thanks for showing up on the podcast today. We appreciate it. Uh, we hope if you didn't find us on video, hopefully you find us on audio. And either way, we will see you right back here 
2 o'clock Eastern on Thursday with a fresh episode for you. For Thomas Garanante, I'm Adam Weinrib. We will.